Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to a year in 1986 to look at the small town alien invasion movie Critters. So let's take you back to that sleepy town, let's play you guys a trailer and I'll see you soon. Of all the planets in the galaxy, they chose ours. They hide in small places. This phone is dead. What? They light the dark. Jay, any luck? Just a minute. There's nothing cute about them. They've come a long way. And they're hungry. And welcome back guys, so the synopsis of this film is a group of small but vicious alien creatures called Krites escape from an alien prison transport vessel and land near a small farm town on Earth, pursued by two shape-shifting bounty hunters. It's a PG-13, it's got an 86 minute runtime, and it's classed as a comedy, horror, sci-fi movie. So there you go guys, there's a synopsis, so what can I say about Critters? So Critters, I enjoy this movie, I've got to say... Um, I go to the first movie, I don't really, it, it did spawn a sequel, it spawned uh, number three and number four, which I don't think, listening to other people's reviews, I don't think they're really that popular in the franchise, and more recently they released a, I think it was like a short TV show, either on YouTube or Netflix or something like that, but again, I didn't really venture into it because... What can I say, guys? I'm one of those people that if there's something that's good, I'll stick to it and I won't venture any further if I don't think it's going to be any good. So I can't, I tend to stick to just uh, the first instalment that came out in 1986 and I think it just does everything. And in some ways, I can see why it did spawn a sequel because it made money and it was very good. And I actually think that critters deserve their role or their spot in like popular... Uh, pop culture shall we say in sci-fi so when you talk about sci-fi monsters or the 80s I think critters certainly deserve their place in that but it's, for me I, I don't think it's ever been able to get away from the first one I think they've just tried to recapture that magic which they kind of did a little bit with number two you could possibly say but from from there onwards I think it just got god awful but um, who knows one day they might be able to recapture that but Let's talk about this first one. So what do I like this one? So basically it's, it's that film that I caught late one night on on uh, TV back in... 
late 80s, early 90s, when you used, you used to have two or three channels. And I think it was about 11 o'clock at night and I watched it. And I, I loved it. I was thoroughly entertained. And you've, it's that typical 80s movie where you've got... Um, it gets from A to B very quickly. doesn't hang about. It's got a very quick pace to it. Um, it's almost like a... Well, it is. It's like a home invasion movie when it starts getting onto it. It's like, uh, you know, a family living in a little small farm town. It's kind of like that 50s... B movie, I guess you could say, where a monster turns up and people have got to try and fight it in this small town, a little bit like the blob, those types of movies. And um, then on top of that, so on top of that really cool story, you've got the little critter creatures, which are pretty cool, by the way. Um, you've also got that other thing that they did in the 80s. I've mentioned a lot on my show. You've got the 80s soundtrack. You've got... <laughs> The character called Johnny Still, who plays one of the bounty hunters in this movie, which I think is fantastic, and um, the Power of the Night theme song, I love it. it. It just goes so well with this movie, and I love the fact that they've actually got the the lead of that band, Johnny Still, playing one of the bounty hunters. He's, he's cool. He's got his eighties mullet. And a little bit of trivia there is actually Terence Mann, the actor, he actually performed that song and he wrote it. So um, that's that's quite a highlight for this movie, for me. And it's typical 80s, but it's what I love about the 80s when they throw a song like that in. It just seems to tie it all up together very nicely. And um, let's talk about the budget of this film. So this is a, this is a low-budget um, horror sci-fi movie. It was made at $2 million. So when you compare it to other films like Gremlins, which I'll get onto in a minute, Gremlins was made for about $13, $14 million, which um, you know is an excellent movie. But I think you're getting a lot of buck for your $10 million here with this movie. Every time I watch it, uh, you know, with the effects, the effects in this movie, let's talk about that. That's the, you know, they're excellent. Um, all, all practical, obviously, as we've mentioned before. I think you've got some real explosions with the pyrotechnics and all that. Um, and the critters themselves, you know, they, they, they are the highlight. And I said they deserve their place in the 80s pop culture with their small limbs and large mouths and red eyes. And they've even got their own language, which I think is a combination of uh, Southeast Asian and French, which is very clever. You know, they've got their little subtitles where it, it this is where it's terrifying in some ways but then the comedy elements of where they're saying there's a bit where they say oh my god they've got guns and they start swearing and then they start blowing up but um let's talk about the creation of these critters they were created by a guy called charlie chadow and he's a special effects company he had about 10 weeks to produce these at the time and he is known for uh, being involved with the puppets in team america and he also went on to do a film which is compared to this, which you can sort of see the similarities. It's another great movie from the 80s, which is The Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And when you watch that film and you watch Critters, you can see the similarities where you've got like that small town being invaded by an alien force, which I love. I love all that. I can't, I, I can't get enough of that. Small town, sheriff, all that sort of stuff. Um, you get the, like the unlikely hero taking it all on. Brilliant can't get enough of that sort of genre especially when it's when it's happening in the 80s and let's talk about the director so it's directed by Stephen Herrick uh, this is his debut movie and he later on 
went on to go and do uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the comedy Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Dead, and he went to go and do the Mighty Ducks, which I think spawned a few sequels. And he also helped out with the screenplay, and it was written by Dominic Muir, and it was actually written in the early 80s, actually before Gremlins, and the writer actually says that he produced this story before Gremlins was released, and I think there was a little bit of a... Not an argument as such, but a bit of a statement to say that I did Gremlins first. And I think the writer and the director argue that this was not totally inspired by Gremlins. But there you go, it's just something that I read on, on the internet. So, But let's face it guys, Gremlins came out and then this film came out afterwards. And to be honest with you, I'm not getting into that because I like both movies. And if something's done well and something spawns from that, hell... I don't mind. I'm, I'm entertained by my both, both movies. So, but moving on from that, um, let's have a look at the cast. So you've got Dee Wallace in this movie, which is great. She was certainly the screen queen at the time because she was, you know, she was in ET, she was in The Howling, she was in Cujo, and then she was in this movie. So um, she was stapling her place in the horror genre at this time. You got uh, M. Emmett Walsh. Uh, Scott Grimes, who plays the little kid Brad, the little pyromaniac in this movie. He later went on to go and do... The only other thing I've seen him in is uh, Band of Brothers, where he plays one of the soldiers, one of the main leads in that. Uh, Billy Zane's in this movie, not for long, but uh, Billy Zane is in this film. Uh, Terrence Mann, as I mentioned already, who plays Johnny Steele. And Don Keith Opper, who plays Charlie, who I'll talk about later. And the other thing to mention here, guys, before I mention just a little bit of trivia, is that this was produced by New Line Cinema. And New Line Cinema are famously known for the guys that built the house for Freddy Krueger. So they made the Freddy Krueger movies, made a lot of money out of it. That was kind of like their building block. Uh, then obviously they made this movie, and then they've gone on to go and make The, the Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings um, I think they, you know, with Peter Jackson and the King Kong movie. So they've done incredibly well as a production company, and they've made a whole ton of money, especially with, like, say, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. And a little bit of trivia here, guys, before I do the uh, bite-sized review. So you've got some really good, good cameos here, cameos from the time. So you've got E.T. as a cuddly little teddy bear in this movie he gets attacked by a critter. And you've also got like a Ghostbusters parody here, which is on the back of the uh, bowling t-shirts in that bowling scene. And it's the, the the father in this movie does all the bowling. Like I say, you just look at the back of that. It's almost like a sort of blink and you miss it, but it's like a, a bowling skittle as a parody of Ghostbusters. So that's pretty cool. So that's like a little bit of a tie-in. And uh, the actual critters are based on the Looney Tunes character Taz, which is one of those things where now it's mentioned, I can't unsee it. So that kind of makes sense. It's got that sort of menace and all that sort of stuff. You know, that's all. <laughs> so that's <laughs> my impression of Taz there. So there you go. Um, so that's it, guys. So that's kind of like the building block to this film. So let's go and do a bite-sized review of Critters. So the film starts off on an asteroid prison and you're introduced to a group of dangerous aliens known as the Krites and they escape and they are then pursued by two bounty hunters that are basically like lifeless. You can sort of see that they're wearing their like uh, 
the way I compare it, they almost look like Star-Lord from the Marvel Universe. Uh, when I look at that now, uh, they've got like their sort of red leather jackets on and stuff, and they're pretty cool. So on their way to Earth, they sort of plug into the transmissions, and Johnny still comes up in his rock band, and then this is where I said earlier, um, you get a brilliant transformation scene here, which is a highlight for me when I revisited this movie. Um, the way his face changes is almost like, uh, kind of reminds me of like Tarman from Return of the Living Dead. It's got that same sort of look about it in special effects. So that's a really, really cool scene. So one of our bounty hunters is turning to Johnny Steele when he's on his way to Earth. But the, his uh, partner is still undecided on what he's going to do. So we get back to that later on. So um, on Earth, you go to the rural Kansas farm and you introduce to the Brown family, which is uh, Dee Wallace, who is making some breakfast for a family. And you introduce to the father, Jay. Dee Wallace plays a character called Helen. And then you've got Brad, the son, who is a little pyromaniac. And he has an assaultment of exploding firecrackers, which kind of come in handy later on. Then they introduce a character called uh, Charney, who's kind of like the town drunk, and he tells the sheriff that he's getting these messages coming through his mind that there's going to be like an alien invasion, and the sheriff's kind of going, yeah, sure, whatever. And then back at the farmhouse that evening, obviously Brad, he's, he's been uh, grounded for letting off some firecrackers, and he's sat on top of his roof, and he sees a meteorite crash, well, he believes to be a meteorite, which is a natural fact, the critter spaceship crash landing. So he tells his father and his father goes to investigate and they come across their first meeting with a critter who is um, consuming a cow. And then you get your first kill scene which is a police officer who gets attacked by a critter and he gets killed. And then this is where you get the bounty hunters turn up as well. So everything's going off here all at the same time and the bounty hunters find the dead police officer and then this is where the... Um, Johnny Still, shall I say, his partner takes the impression from the dead police officer, so he's converted his face at this time. So then going back to the barnhouse, this is where you kind of get the um, home alien invasion now. So all the power goes off, um, the barnhouse is in darkness, you get some really cool scenes here where Dee Wallace is looking out the window and you've got one of the critters looking back at her with the, uh, the red eyes. And I've got to say, guys, it's one of my greatest fears when you look out the window and you've got something looking back at you. So it's a really clever uh, jump scare there, shall we say. And then you've got um, Jay who goes down into the um, lower part of the barn. He goes into the basement. He tries to sort of sort out the circuit breaker. He then gets attacked by a critter. Jay then retaliates with a shotgun and this is where that scene I mentioned earlier where the critters talking their own language and they go, oh my god, they got guns. And then they retreat upstairs and then you've got Brad's sister who's out in the barn with Billy Sane and they're just getting a little bit uh, romantic with each other, shall we say. And this is where you get your second kill scene, which is, I think there's only two kill scenes in this movie, Billy Sane and the police officer. I think that's where they've only got that PG rating. He then gets eaten up by a critter in the um, barnhouse with Brad's sister. And then this is where Brad comes in to save the day. And he's got one of these crackers. And he throws it at a, a crite. And then the crite eats it. And then you get a scene here where you don't get a full-on explosion, but it just sort of blows up inside, which is kind of like a sort of... It's like one of those cartoon explosions, I suppose, where you've got that sort of Taz theme that I mentioned earlier. 
and then he just blows up and then he just fall, rolls over. So Brad and his sister, they go back into the barn house and then you've got the, the rest of the family, they're holed up in the house and then you've now got the critters going around, as I mentioned, they're trying, they're just experimenting with stuff, they're tearing things up. Then they start going through the fridge and they tear up the pillows and as we mentioned earlier with the E.T. doll and all that, so you get quite, it, it, it's like a comedy scene here now with this. And then whilst all this is going on, the bounty hunters have, like I say, they've commandeered the police car and they've gone into town and it's causing a little bit of havoc, havoc there. And you get a cool scene here where, and I've seen this before with uh, Friday Night Part 2 where you get like a bowling alley scene. And you get uh, Johnny Steele goes in, he picks up a bowling ball and he just chucks it down the alley. A bit like, again, like Superman 2 where he just throws it and it goes through the skills and it all blows up. And um, they start shooting the place up. And then because there's that transformation scene, one of the, I think the local sheriff looks at his uh, dead deputy and he's kind of wondering what the hell's going on. And then the bounty hunter finally takes the appearance of Charlie, the town drunk. And because there's been local shots heard at the barn house, the uh, bounty hunters go and investigate. And Brad escapes from the house and then he meets up with the bounty hunters and they stop in the middle of the road and he gets into the back. It's quite a cool scene where he starts explaining stuff, saying that, you know, these critters have turned up, um, Dad's been cut up and Mum's got like a harpoon in her neck, which is a bit you hear in the trailer, which is quite cool. So the bounty hunters go to the barn house and they go and investigate. And this is where you get a scene now where they go in and then they use these pretty, pretty cool weapons that they've got and they start blowing up the uh, critters and then one of them rolls into like a toilet to try and escape. And so most of the critters are now destroyed and you've now got one last surviving critter who actually kidnaps uh, Brad's sister April and takes her back to the ship. You've now got the town drunk Charlie who actually steps things up a little bit and he tries to help out and uh, he teams up with Brad and they go and rescue the sister from the ship. Brad drops off a firecracker to try and blow up the ship but it doesn't go off so as it takes off uh, the ship actually blows up the farmhouse kind of like out of spite and then you get Charlie with his uh, bottle of whiskey or spirits he uses it as a Molotov cocktail and he throws it at the ship and it goes inside it and then the ship blows up. So the critters have been stopped and the bounty hunters, before they leave, they um, leave a little device with uh, Brad. Kind of as a, a measure of if the critters turn up again, you press this button and then we'll come back and then we'll help you out. Which kind of spawns a sequel to this movie. But this device is pretty cool. It's almost like an, uh, it's like an early sort of iPhone or something like that. Uh, the bounty hunters leave, but then this, this phone recreates the barn house which is a pretty cool scene where it sort of builds itself back up again so the the family aren't left homeless in the end um, so the bounty hunters help them out but just to spawn that sequel you then see the final scene of this movie where you go into the farmhouse and then you just see some critter eggs just waiting to hatch and then that's how the film ends so there you go guys so let's say it's uh it's a quick movie it moves at a pace Gets you from A to B. It's only an 80 minute run time, but um, all in all, it's a fun movie. It doesn't hang about. Like I say, it's got a really good soundtrack to it, some great characters. I think the bounty hunters are cool. Critters are menacing, but funny. Uh, you get the uh, Brad, who pretty much like the main protagonist in, in, 
protagonist in this movie kind of got that sort of kid in danger. You got the small town under attack, the bowling scene, as I as I mentioned. So there's some really good highlights in here, and like I say, it's like a sort of 50s B movie. So as a roundup, it's it's a fun movie. It's one I keep going back to. It's one of those uh, late night, 11 o'clock uh, watches, you know, with a beer and some crisps and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a bit of a comfort movie for me. So yeah, go check it out. I'm sure most of you listening to this have, have seen this movie. I'm not saying it's nearly sort of a 40-year-old movie now, but it still holds up today. And also to mention, for a $2 million budget, it did make some money at the cinema as well. I think it made about $13, $14 million um, return, so it did really well. So uh, There you go, guys. That is a bite-sized review of Critters. So if you haven't seen this movie, go check it out. If you have seen it, this movie, um, hopefully you're a fan. So there you go, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, as always, um, just a little bit of admin for the show. I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so go and check out all the other shows on there. And I've got a Facebook page, um, so go and put, put some stuff on there, some comments, um, post some movies on there if you want me to go and check some stuff out. And I'll, we'll be returning soon because it is the, uh, so the month of horror. It's the Halloween month, so as you may have noticed, I've been producing mostly horror movies this month. And I'll be returning just for one more guest squeeze, one more movie in for October, which is a guest spot with Dan Bone from Haunted Hill and Gary Hill from Cinema Beef Podcast. And we're going to be talking about uh, Freddy Krueger, The Dream Warriors Part 3, which is uh, one of my favourites in, in that franchise. So that will be dropping at the end of the month. So there you go guys, Um, as always, keep it bite-sized, keep it safe, and I'll see you soon. Show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network like Cinema Psyops, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a wide spread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. 
horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.